the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, July the 23rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1829, William Austin Burt, he received a patent for what he called his typographer. That was a forerunner to the typewriter, which was a forerunner to the keyboard. Today in 1999, Space Shuttle Columbia blasted off for the world's most powerful X-ray telescope that would allow human beings to better see the magnificent handiwork of Almighty God. Today in 2003, a new audio tape purported to be from toppled dictator Saddam Hussein. It called on Iraqis to resist the U.S. occupation. Today in 2017, a tractor trailer was found in a Walmart parking lot in San Antonio, Texas. It was crammed with dozens of illegal immigrants. Ten died. Many more were treated at a hospital for dehydration and heat stroke. The driver, James Bradley Jr., was sentenced to life in prison after he pleaded guilty to transporting the illegals, resulting in the death of several. One year ago today, in response to an ACLU lawsuit, a federal judge blocked federal agents in Portland from arresting or using physical force against journalists and legal observers on the ongoing every night protests. And one year ago today, Dr. Anthony Fauci, yes, that Dr. Anthony Fauci, threw out the ceremonial first ball at a New York Yankees uh, baseball game. The Yankees won the game 4-1, to one, but after he threw out the ball, he sat in the stands with a couple of uh, his friends, none of whom had on masks, but there were no other people around them. But a storm came through the area, and the game was delayed. So Dr. Fauci's game encountered a storm. And I might add to that that his game is also encountering a storm from Dr. Rand Paul. As you know, Dr. Rand Paul has been on Fauci's case lately, and I think Rand Paul is right. There is something there, and it needs to be exposed to the public. Paul is now has referred for criminal charges for Dr. Fauci lying under oath about this uh, certain kind of um, research they're doing, gain of uh, effect or something like that, on these uh, various viruses and so on. Fauci said he was not funding that with taxpayer money. It now turns out that he probably was funding that at Wuhan Wuhan um, laboratories. So we'll see where that goes. But boy, I'll tell you, Rand Paul, who is himself a doctor, is really worked up about this. And I haven't talked a lot about it here, but I've been following it very, 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 very closely. President Joe Biden and his deputies, his people, the far left, 
regime that we have in this country today, as some call it, I would agree, they have allowed more than 600,000 illegals to come across our border, our southern border, since he took office just six months ago, since his inauguration. 600,000 illegals just pouring into this country. As as many as 25% of them have had COVID. The huge inflow adds up to one migrant for every three children born in the United States during the same period in 2020. You can do the math and think about that. I'm not going to talk more about that today, but you can think about that and see where this, if this should continue, even for four more years, much less eight years, America would become a barrio, a ghetto in many respects, like I've seen only in third world countries in my missionary evangelism work. It is concerning, and it should be for every American, regardless of political affiliation, this simply cannot continue as it is if America is to remain as it is. But I've got some good news today. I want to talk to you a little bit about some good news. 30,000 men showed up at a football stadium this last weekend and turned it into a sanctuary. I want to tell you that story briefly because it encouraged my heart. I think it will encourage you as well. It's something that needs to happen. And when we have these politicians standing around spending our money, wasting time fighting with each other rather than focused on the work of the country that they were elected to do and represent all of us little people out here. But sometimes we just wonder, is there any solution? I mean, it's so complicated. It's so out of control on so many fronts. Certainly immigration is just crazy with that many illegals coming across our border. I mean, it's almost on track with births in America. It's the demographers are, 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 are saying this can't happen. This can't continue and so on. And they're not even coming from a border's position in their ideology. They just are doing the numbers. Is there an answer to all of this? Well, there is. And it may not be what you think. I am a strong believer that every Christian, every conservative must vote. I encourage that. You know, if you listen to this program, we talk about it all the time. But there is an underlying truth that I try to keep pretty much in the forefront of our conversation on this program. And that is that ultimately the problems that we have in America today are not primarily political. They're primarily spiritual. And if we can get the spiritual part fixed, I think politics will follow. God intended that the church inform the culture. But we have gotten into a position over the last number of years, particularly in this country, where the culture has been informing the church. Not the Bible, not the teachings, not the traditional values of Christianity, but the culture. And the church has tried to adapt to the culture in order to win them or to identify or have a relationship 
with the world so that we can win them to Christ. That on its face sounds fine. I mean, we want to win everyone to Christ. Jesus himself told us to do that. But as we become more like the world, are we actually winning them? No, actually, we're not winning them. They're winning us. And that's where I just take a position and dig in and say, I'm not going to go there. I did that as a pastor, and I've done it everywhere where I had a voice and now on this program. That's not what God wants for his church. But when we as the people of God, biblical Christians, begin to take a stand, not as an activist, but as a profoundly committed Christian and follower of Jesus Christ, I believe in activism, but I'm talking about more than that. When we become a devout, committed, imperfect, but committed follower of Jesus Christ, putting God first, developing a biblical worldview, we will begin to see the things change that we now look at almost in hopelessness sometimes because we think, how can this? How can we ever fix this? It's out of control. There's nothing I can do. There actually is something you can do and that I can do, and that's get up every morning and stand up for Jesus. Ye so, uh, this isn't politically correct, but we used to sing this when I was a kid. And suddenly you go, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. How does that play in today's culture? But it's true. So we can stand up for Jesus every single day and just serve the Lord faithfully. And God will open doors for us to have an influence on other people and people that live across the, you know, the back fence or whatever. God will open the doors for us to have an influence in our sphere of living, whatever that may be. But I think that is the beginning of fixing what's wrong with America. And I think most of you would agree with that. 30,000 men turned out in a football stadium last weekend. Remember Promise Keepers, that men's movement that started back in the 1990s? I remember it well. I wasn't officially involved in it. They were trying to get me involved in it at the time. In fact, we had a couple of meetings. I didn't feel like that's what God was calling me to do at the time. We had those conversations, but I will tell you that I certainly supported it then, and unfortunately, it went through some difficulties, the movement itself, and it kind of waned in later years. But from what all and everything I've read, it, the thing is being reborn again, and it's being reborn in the hearts of people, and that was manifest last weekend. Dallas, Texas. Cowboys football stadium. The point of the gathering last weekend was direct. They said they wanted to bring a positive message that would inspire transformation and empower men so they could return home equipped to lead their families, communities, and country. And God did some amazing things there. And I want to share just a bit of what God did there. And God will do more as these men have gone home now to their families across the country. Conference took place at AT&T Stadium. That's the home field of the Dallas Cowboys. David Clausen is the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview with Family Research Council. He was struck by what he saw there. He was there, and um, apparently FRC is very involved, and Tony Perkins and some of these guys are really involved in the kind of the rebirth 
of this men's movement, which gives me great confidence because they're good people for sure. But he was struck by this scene. They had 30,000 men. There were a few boys there, but it's mostly men, you know, dads, adults, young adults, older, older guys, some of them like over 40, like some of us and so on. But he made the statement, uh, David Clausen, he said, he said, here is a stadium known for football, but instead of beer and profanity, it was filled with men confessing their sins, praying and praising God. Then he added it was encouraging to see men kneeling at the 50-yard line on the Dallas Cowboys star, surrounded by thousands of men on their knees, crying out to God. That stadium became a sanctuary. As I said, Promise Keepers was founded in, I think it was 1990, by former University of Colorado football coach Bill McCartney. It was a movement that encouraged men to be Christ-like leaders in their church, their community, and in their home. You may remember the massive events that were held in the 1990s, as I mentioned earlier. I certainly do. The movement that had begun to sweep the country was challenging millions of men to fulfill their God-given callings as husbands and fathers and sons. Due to some difficulties, the movement waned. But it's making a comeback. I'm grateful for that. Ken Harrison, whose resume includes a tour in the Marine Corps, tough inner city assignments. He was a law enforcement officer. He's persevered and preserved now a legacy. And he's leading this renewal of Promise Keepers. I don't know him. I've never met him, but sounds like a great guy. And these people have confidence in him. But he has the same commitment and purpose of its founding. Some of the highlights that came from that, I'll just share with you. Some of the highlights that came from it was like, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, he's with FRC, he challenged the men. They had a number of speakers there. He challenged the men with this. This is one thing that he said. He said more, but this is one thing that he said. Quote, everyone in the kingdom of God has a specific calling on his life. It's time for you to stand up and be the warrior that God called you to be. How does that play with today's feminism among men? Stand up and be a warrior? Oh, no, we can't have that. From the get-go, this is not taking a position against the feminization of men in the culture, but by taking a biblical position on this, it is challenging much of what's going on in our culture today. Stand up, take a stand, be a warrior that God called you to be. Pastor A.R. Bernard, he's the with the Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York, He told the men, he spoke quite a bit, and I I read a lot of what he said. He said, Jesus can take a heart of hatred and turn it into a heart of love. I took that as one of the more significant things he said. Best-selling author, Christian psychologist, a personal friend of Marjorie's and mine, he and his wife, Les Parrott, he reminded the men he spoke. um, He told the men, he said, your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. Hall of Fame wide receiver, former Cowboy player, Michael Irvin, he urged the men, quote, make sure you go to the owner's manual, the Bible, to get your name and find your identity. Well, you can read into that what he was saying. They did, the men. This Pastor Carter Conlon, he's a pastor of the Times Square Church in New York City. He said this, 
He said, because of Jesus Christ, we are already in the end zone. All we have to do is spike the ball and say, we have won. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And on the surface, that may seem or sound a little superficial, but actually, that is very, very true. We are more than conquerors. It is finished. Satan is defeated. And sometimes we live in our lives. I mean, he didn't say this, but I'm saying this. Sometimes we live in our lives as though, boy, we sure hope we win. Man, the message of the gospel is we have won. Christ is not dead. He is arisen from the dead. He is alive. And because he lives, we live. And because he rose from the dead, Satan is conquered. Oh, he's still doing stuff today. He has a period of time before he is ultimately cast into the lake of fire for eternity. But we have won. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. I know that he is living because I walk with him every day. He's in my heart. I know he lives. And many other verses as well as hymns. We have won. So keep that in mind when you go through the difficulties and the storms and the clouds and the setbacks and all the stuff that we go through in life. We have won already. I know it gets tough. The journey sometimes has its rough patches. We all know that. But we have won. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Those are not my words. That's God's word. Promise Keeper shared some of the heartwarming images on social media. It showed pictures of thousands of fathers and sons and brothers in altars all over this huge football stadium, surrendering their lives to Christ, creating a new legacy for their families. One uh, guy with Promise Keepers, he tweeted this. He said, this is what it's all about. Fathers, sons, and brothers in the altars, surrendering their lives to Christ, creating a new legacy for their families. It was awesome. Best-selling author and teacher, Denny Rainey, he teaches, does a lot of teaching on family and particularly on marriage. I don't think he was involved in this, but he is involved in these kinds of things often, he and his wife. <clears throat> but he's written a, an article. In fact, he's, he and his wife have written a lot of books on marriage and family and the male and the female roles and so on. I wrote an article, uh, just a short article today about it. We published it about this event over the weekend, and you can read it at faithandfreedom.us. And um, in it, I linked to an article that Dennis Rainey wrote a, a while back, but it's about the male role in a Christian home and in a Christian marriage. I think I think you could learn from it or take some things from it. It could be very in, firm, uh, encouraging and affirming. But he starts the story with this. I'll just leave you with this, and then I have some of my own thoughts to share. But he begins his teaching on the male role in the family with this. He said, a man died and went to heaven to find two signs above two different lines. One sign said, all those men who have been dominated by their wives stand here. The second sign read, all those who have never been dominated by their wives stand here. 
Underneath that sign stood one man. He went over to the man, the guy that had just gotten to heaven. He went over to the man and grabbed his arm and he said, what's the secret? How did you do it? He said, that other line has millions of men who have been dominated by their wife and you're, you're the only one standing in this line. The guy looked around, kind of puzzled expression. He said, I, I don't know. He said, I, I, I'm not sure. He said, my wife just told me to stand right here. Then he goes into, he said, there's been a lot of joking about husband-wife roles, but for decades our culture has been redefining the roles from biblical roles to secular roles. Then he goes into that, faithandfreedom.us. That's our website, and I linked his article on it today and some of the comments I've just made about the renewal of promise keepers, and I pray that God will bless them and multiply what they're doing all over this nation. But let me talk to you for a few minutes on this Friday. Political correct voices throughout the culture are ridiculing everything that's traditionally masculine. Since the 1960s, this, is, this started when some of us were very young. When the women's liberation movement de- de- kind of declared war between the sexes. Jimmy Carter was a great advocate of that, he and his wife born-again Christians, teaching Sunday school class, but really trying to move this forward. I don't never could quite put all that together. But the women's liberation movement declared war on the sexes. The very meaning of a good and decent man was suddenly, over time, held up as, as scorn. It's now called toxic masculinity by the leftist media, the entertainment industry, even many of those who claim to be social scientists. They use that term. I've heard that term over the pulpit in churches. In August of 2018, the American Psychological Association came out with an article that was fundamental. It was a shift in the culture. The APA APA published this outrageous and widely read report in 2018. I talked about it on this program at length. But let me come back to it. They, talk, they talked about this whole idea of toxic masculinity. APA guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men, and they have a lot of clout in the industry. It echoed not only the feminist hatred for traditional men, but identified itself entirely with the LGBTQ agenda. The APA writers were asserting that traditional fathers pose a grave danger, their words, to their boys, and they must be stopped. The boys and men document is propaganda. It was propaganda to the degree that it's almost unbelievable, incomprehensible. The authors were claiming that men who socialize their boys in a traditional manner, like take them fishing and so on, teach them to be strong, competitive, self-reliant, God-fearing, The men that are doing that with their sons, they said, are destroying the son's mental health. This is the APA. This isn't some guy out here on the fringe writing. That's why I talked about it on this program at the time. It was in August of 2018. It was nonsense masquerading as science. The report criticizes individuals with religious affiliations and conservative social and political views. They might equate masculinity with heterosexuality, the APA said. 
and they suggested there is a need for this to be cured of its errant view. That struck at the heart of Christianity and of traditional common sense that every culture in America, every culture in the world has embraced to some degree or they've gone away. The Bible is clear about God's intention when he created man and woman. We see his plan revealed in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. In verse 31 of that same chapter, God saw everything that he had made and pronounced it very good. Today's activists have the arrogance to contradict the creator of the universe. And that's what secularism is all about. It's constantly in conflict and contradiction to Almighty God. And particularly in this case, the nation, our nation is running away from biblical truth at warp speed. Even some Christian seminaries are blurring gender distinctions. I've talked about Seattle Pacific University, a Christian university founded out of the hearts and the hard work and the sweat of wonderful, wonderful people way back when Seattle was a small town and how they've taken a turn to the left on these issues. But it isn't just Seattle Pacific University, it's others across the nation, including seminaries. They're running away from, at warp speed, the truth of God's word. And somebody's got to stand up and just call it out, and people are beginning to do that, not in anger, but out of concern and being responsible. God made us to be sexual beings. That was his plan. Everything we do is influenced by our gender assignment at birth. The first element of self-awareness as toddlers comes with our identification as boys and girls. They have taken that and confused it to the point where now it's almost it's almost off limits to talk about in some circles. I'm reminded that Hitler said in 1939, he said, your child belongs to us already. What are you? You will pass on. Your descendants, however, now stand in the new camp. In a short time, they will know nothing but this new community. Now, Hitler has passed on. He's history now, but I will tell you, that there are more people with that holding that view today than there were in the day when he was, in 1939, when he said that. Someone has said, I would rather see a sermon than hear one. And I think all of this stuff that's going on in our culture today is calling out particularly the need for men to stand up and be men. We are not women. We are not made to be like women. Women are not made to be like men. God made us separately and differently so that we could come together and be more than, this, than the sum of the two, a wholeness. Man and woman in marriage producing children. And God is calling on men to model that in their homes. And that's what's happening. That's why the, these men are are. are coming in droves to this promise keepers. They want to do what is right. They just need to stand with other people of like mind. Oh, I wish I had another hour to talk about this. I don't. I'm out of time. 
Thank you for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you Monday.